Hi everyone, welcome to Baby Steps Nutrition, a podcast that focuses on nutrition, health, and wellness for families of children of all ages and stages. I'm your host, Argavon Neil Forouge, a pediatric dietitian and mom of two young children. My goal is to bring you impactful information that you can apply every day in a simplified, practical form to make life easier. Now let's get into today's conversation. Mackenzie Burgess is a registered dietitian nutritionist with a passion for culinary nutrition. She has regularly appeared on live broadcast segments and has been quoted in top media outlets. Mackenzie is the founder of Cheerful Choices, where she provides virtual nutrition counseling, personalized cooking classes, and partners with health-focused food brands. Mackenzie obtained her Bachelor of Science in Food and Nutrition Science from Colorado State University and completed her dietetic internship at OSF St. Francis Medical Center. Hi, Mackenzie. A warm welcome to you on the Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Totally. I'm so excited about this particular topic because as you know, as dietitians, we tend to focus on food in the context of healthful benefits rather than cooking for pleasure and enjoyment. So I always love talking about the cooking aspect. So thank you for being here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know the the cooking aspect is something that can be kind of a, you know, a soft spot for people and sometimes can be, you know, pain point too. So um, definitely hope we can give some tips along the way for people too. Yes. And we always want to let people know that dietitians love food. They love cooking. We're always inspired by other dietitians who are air quote, culinary expert. So this is why I'm glad that you're here. I'd love if you could first share, though, what initially inspired you to even pursue the field of culinary nutrition and combining the dietitian aspect of it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I remember back in high school, I worked at our local farmer's market and kind of did some tours. And then eventually I kind of proposed to the market manager. I was like, could I do a cooking demo where I basically give a tour around the market, show off the ingredients. And then at the end, after the ingredients they collect, we do a cooking demo from them. And I remember just my soul being like lit up after that. I just totally loved that. Um, So then when I was kind of nearing the end of high school, I also knew that I wanted to really help people and was kind of drawn to this idea of food and nutrition. So um, went, you know, right into my undergrad studying to be a dietitian. And I just love now that I'm able to kind of combine the two passions. I think something that really helped me is after I got um, my credential as a dietitian. I also took this culinary nutrition certification program, um, and we'll we'll share the link afterwards. I'll give that to you for the show notes. Um, but this was run by another um, fellow dietitians. Their names are Chef um, Abby and Julie, and so that was really kind of helpful to just make me feel really solid um, in the culinary nutrition world. So yeah, now it's kind of through different Instagram video tips or my online recipes or really my hands-on program. It's just my greatest passion to really empower those people in the kitchen. Yeah. And I learned so much from looking at your videos, which we're going to talk about today as well. I'd love if we can go back a little bit and if you can tell us about cheerful choices. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's funny in the business world, they always tell you, you know, niche down, niche down, which basically yeah. just means kind of find an area that is your specific um, realm of expertise. And so I always found myself really drawn to the idea of customizable recipes. So all of my recipes call for ingredients of your choice. So if you go to a recipe card, for example, I have like an egg frittata, and then I call for a cup of diced um, veggies of your choice. So you could do squash, you could use a little bit of those, you know, that broccoli in the back of your fridge, you know, you could grab a carrot at the farmer's market. Um, And so just so people can feel like they can kind of use up what they have on hand and really working with different dietary preferences too. So sometimes my recipe calls for different proteins of your choice. So maybe it would work better um, with a vegan option or maybe people are carnivores. So that works better for them. Um, Different kinds of, you know, milks, herbs, all kinds of things. So um, just kind of wanted to have it because sometimes I think we get in this mindset of, okay, you know, I have this recipe in front of me and if I don't have spinach on hand, then I can't make it. I have to go to the store. But, you know, if you have kale on hand, um, you know, I've tested the recipe with different things, then you could probably swap those out pretty easily. So that's kind of the idea behind Cheerful Choices is really being able to choose what you want to use in the recipes and um, empowering people to make those choices and really fulfill those cravings and choosing those foods that they, they love and they have. Yeah, and you brought up the keywords, uh, empowering, which is so important. Choices is another one. But, you know, we do live in a world of there's a lot of restrictions, fear around food. There are so many recommendations. Like, for example, you know, it's nothing against the environmental working group, but sometimes those messaging can complicate things for people like the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 and what's good Mm -hmm. and what's not. And so I feel like we've really complicated for people this whole notion of healthy eating. And so that's created a lot of fear and stress and anxiety, rightfully so, right? Like Mm -hmm. I know I'm always overwhelmed by this stuff that I'm learning, let alone having to translate that into everyday language. How do you address and incorporate all of those with with people? So they're coming to you, but they're hearing food trends and there's specific dietary preferences. And then, you know, you're also incorporating the evidence-based stuff as a dietitian. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I think, um, and a big thing that we work on as dietitians is really being personalized in our approach and and working with people on that. And so... um, that's what I try to do too. And whether I'm coaching people or, or with my recipes, cause you're right, it's always changing. It can be hard to keep up with. So, so I try to um, meet people where they're at and really being able to provide, okay, what does the research say right now? We might not have a lot on maybe a certain trend or things like that, but how can we maybe um, apply the research to a certain topic and then, you know, it can be it can be muddy, but that's ultimately where that client or my audience gets to decide if it's something that they want to enjoy or not. So maybe an example would be um, something like eggs and kind of talking about how research shows how they can be part of a heart healthy diet. But maybe a person I'm working with is vegan or just doesn't like eggs. And that's OK, too. There's other um, options that they can choose so I think it, um, as much as we want to have a really clear and concise answer of eat this, don't eat that, I think it, there's kind of power in being able to have this balance and, and being able to choose those different things. Um, and I try to kind of 
distinguish too between the fads um, and maybe topics that are going to stick a little bit more. Um, you know, I work in the media a lot, so I'll have journalists that'll come to me asking about, oh, I heard you can make, you know, soda with balsamic vinegar or what's this girl dinner thing going on? Um, so it's kind of um, being able to rein it in and talk about, okay, what are the what are the pros and cons? And um, maybe it's a fun thing to try for a little bit, or maybe it's something that's going to stick around for for years to come. <laughs> yeah. And all of this comes back to something that you reposted on Twitter, which I loved and something I always talk about is it says, learn to cook, cook for yourself and others, teach others to cook and watch positive habits multiply. And I really feel like it just starts in the kitchen. Like mm-hmm. even just teaching kids to be comfortable in the kitchen and to be able to navigate their way around a kitchen to you know, table and appliances and stove, you know, age appropriate, of course. But I think that's really an essential life skill that everyone needs to have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's something that I kind of work with on my program too. So I have people that I um, work with kind of in a hands-on cooking aspect where where I'll set up my laptop in my kitchen and they'll set up their laptop in their kitchen. So they get to really be, you know, in their PJs and in their, in their comfort of their kitchen and, um, you know, taking those skills of how can we cook and apply maybe what we've learned or what we're hoping to do with um, our nutrition goals and, and make it actionable. Yeah. And Mackenzie, when someone first comes to you, what has typically been shared as their biggest hurdle of not taking that step earlier? Yeah. I think a lot of times it's time. Um, We're all super, super busy. So it's hard sometimes to even find that extra like 30 minutes to cook. So then um, a lot of times I'm working with people on, okay, how can we, you know, batch cook something and then maybe freeze it and be able to pull out this uh, delicious curry in a couple months. And that way you're only spending five minutes to heat something up. Um, Another thing too, I think that is a big barrier for people is knife skills. Knives can be really intimidating. Um, People are scared that they're going to cut themselves. And so it kind of is like the veggies might go rotting in the back of the fridge just because somebody's nervous on how to even cut them. So I think those are two big things I work with um, on people is kind of how can we go about lowering that time barrier and and how can we become a little bit more confident um, with those knife skills and being able to chop those veggies. There's definitely certain ways around it too. You could buy pre-cut broccoli or cauliflower or even go to your salad bar and find sliced um, green onions there already ready to go. But sometimes that can be a little bit more expensive too. So um, being able to keep that budget in mind is important to me. Yeah. And I love just simplifying. Like People think I have to download all these cool recipes and there has to be 15 different ingredients in a salad. But I'm like, if you have frozen vegetables on hand, it's quick and it's not going to go bad. You don't feel like the time crunch before something starts to get moldy or like Mm -hmm. seasoning spices, right? Like just don't be afraid to get creative in the kitchen. And something I tell kids when they say, oh, I don't like this. It's like, well, but if you learn to cook, And if you experiment, then you can find something that brings you joy that you enjoy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, Mackenzie, you're as an entrepreneur. So of course, there's this passion for cooking. But of course, being an entrepreneur is also very demanding. So how Mm -hmm. are you able to keep yourself motivated and inspired and keep that passion alive and not getting bogged down by the other stuff? 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I was kind of laughing about this the other day because um, I just posted these um, like no bake cheesecake bites, but I originally started testing these like last summer and I remember testing them like four times and I just got so sick of it that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to come to it like later on when I'm feeling re-inspired. So sometimes it's just a matter of that being able to just take a break and not force it if it's not really coming together. Um, a lot of times too, you know, I'm recipe developing all the time. And so it's nice sometimes to just take a break and go out to eat at a restaurant um, and kind of feel a little bit re-inspired there and not having to do dishes is always a bonus. <laughs> um, something else too, I, I love um, this online video um, platform. It's called Masterclass. It kind of has like the top um, people in the field that teach you how to do different skills. And so there's different chefs on there. There's one, um, his name is Yodam Adelangi, and he does a lot of like Israeli Mediterranean cuisine, different, um, you know, there's Gordon Ramsay, different ones on there. So a lot of times too, it's fun to just kind of watch them and get re-inspired with some of their different angles on um, the culinary world too. Yeah. Do you have go-to restaurants or do you like to just kind of try a different place each time? Yeah, I try to, um, I'm kind of near the Denver area. So it seems like there's always different places popping up. So I try to just always try somewhere new. Um, I love doing like tapas restaurants that are kind of um, different small plates because you can really sample a lot of different varieties. Um, so that's a, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love that for home too, just the shared meal aspect and putting it out there and everyone can help themselves. And also mm -hmm. there's no pressure, which yeah. always goes a long way, especially with kids. Mm -hmm. um, do you have favorite recipes that you like to create and prepare? Yes. Yeah, so one of my favorites that I've been making a lot of times on the weekends are these um, meal prep breakfast burritos. I have it on my um, blog at Cheerful Choices. And what's kind of unique is it calls for protein of your choice. So along with um, kind of the eggs and cheese and veggies, you can choose um, maybe black beans, or you could do chicken or um, sausage. Um, you know, you could do bacon. So kind of being able to also use up what you have on hand and working with what you like. Um, and so that has been kind of an like a weekend staple for us because we'll make a bunch of them and then either store them in the fridge to kind of reheat throughout the week or freeze them. And on that recipe card, I have different ways that you can heat them up too. So you kind of get the cooking method of your choice where you could heat it up in the air fryer or in a pan, in the oven, or just microwave it. So really trying to make it accessible for everyone and different appliances that they might have. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the air fryer? Is that something you feel everyone should have? I really love it. I mean, I especially love it in the summer because sometimes it's hard for me to like heat up the whole oven yes. and then it's already like 90 degrees out. So I kind of like just having a small air fryer that I can throw in some roasted veggies or um, even too, I love it for leftovers. So whether I'm like going out to eat or maybe um, had cooked something the night before, I'm kind of thinking of like, um, you know, an orange chicken or orange cauliflower or something that doesn't really heat up super well. Um, doing it in the air fryer can kind of bring that crispiness um, back to life. And I think that can help to sort of reduce the food waste too of leftovers. So I, I love it. I'm a big advocate for them. Totally. And there's certain ones that you love to make it easier if someone's looking to get one. 
Um, of course, we're not affiliated with any particular brand, but it'd be neat to just offer those choices for people because that's something I always get asked, like, what are your favorite? And then fill in the blank. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've had one, I've had kind of different ones and I've actually gifted some to friends and stuff because I've just had different ones that I've um, tried out. Um, but there's some different ones on Amazon you can try out. Right now, I love having, um, there's one that's a ninja that has like a two-in-one basket. So it has yeah. two different baskets, but you can air fry them at different temperatures. So for example, maybe I'm cooking um, a nut-crusted salmon and then I'm also doing broccoli in a different basket. I can have those set at different temperatures and times, which is kind of cool. Um, and then there's also like the instant, like same as the instant pot brand, but they have an air fryer and something kind of unique that I like about theirs is it has a little oven light, um, almost where you can see it while it's air frying. So you don't have to open the basket, but you can see, um, kind of how the progress is coming along to see if it's golden brown yet or something like that. So those are kind of, um, my two favorites right now. I love it. There should be, we should do like a holiday gift guide and yeah. <laughs> everything is like food and nutrition focused. I know that's something I love to get anything to do with the kitchen. So mm-hmm. that would be really neat to put that in. Um, totally. Tell me about your customizable bistro protein boxes. Cause I feel like anybody can use them. They're such a great idea. What does that look like and how do you customize it? Yes. Yeah. So I know it's kind of hard to visualize on a podcast, but these bistro boxes are kind of like similar to a bento box or protein box, um, similar to the ones that you see at like a coffee shop or Starbucks where there's different components broken up into different sections. Um, And so I was kind of initially inspired by this because I had these glass containers on hand that have three different sections or basically a rectangle and there's a top section, a bottom left section and a bottom right section. And it makes it really fun, especially for kind of, I know we're pretty much full and back to school swing, but even throughout um, school time, you can really be able to customize these. So um, I have a recipe card for this. And again, it's kind of being able to use up what you have, but the top section, you can really throw in different like protein options of your choice. So you might do um, hard boiled eggs or maybe nut butter packets or um, some roasted edamame or something like that. And then in the bottom left, you can do um, different carbohydrate options. You could do fruit, um, crackers, some energy bites, like a bar, different things like that. And then I always like to kind of throw into some like colorful colorful veggies and a dip. So you could do carrot chips, um, snap peas, cherry tomatoes. And then they have some fun like single serve dips. They have like hummuses, guac. Um, You could definitely make your own too and put it in a little um, container. But this was a really fun one. I did this on the news and they got to kind of make their own ones. So they're great to have in the fridge because you can just grab and go. And they're going to be a lot more affordable, I find. Um, A lot of times the ones that you find either in store now or at those coffee shops can be a little pricey. Um, So this is fun to be able to make at home. And like with the kids, I think it's so fun to like get them involved and have them fill their own sections. So then when they get to lunchtime or snack time, it's like, oh, I made this. So it makes it more exciting, I think. Yeah. And it's the back to school grind. So sports have started after school activities have started and kids are always hangry 
when they get home. So it's good to have these on hand, but not just for kids, for adults as well, because people are now commuting back to work more often and spending time outside the home or in the car. So it would be great to have those and also encourage variety. I'll be sure to link that as well and maybe share it on my social media so um, our listeners can get a good idea of what they look like because I was so fascinated by it. I know things always seem simple, but it's nice to see it and what Mm -hmm. it actually looks like in order for us to be able to implement it. Yeah, I think it's nice when you just tend to have like you know, a random set of ingredients. And it doesn't really feel super appealing to just have them sitting in your fridge. But all of a sudden, if you put it into kind of a cute container, you're like more enticed to to enjoy it. (laughs) Totally. I know we all can use a little more fun, right? In our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about food waste. I know that's something that scares people off from grocery shopping. I know with post-pandemic, we're seeing just inflated prices that are here to stay, which is unfortunate and a lot of people are being affected. But of course, food waste is something we all can use less of definitely when we're cooking or preparing food. Mm-hmm. What are tips and strategies that you have for listeners about reducing food waste? Definitely. Yeah, this is an area I'm I'm super, super passionate about. And I try to kind of share ongoing tips on Instagram and also something that I really work with um, with clients, kind of especially working with them, kind of that personalized approach of where they're tending to see the most waste and how we can kind of um, help mitigate that. But just some kind of tips. Um, something that I really love is being able to keep some of those scraps to make your own veggie broth. Many people might have seen this, but you know, whether you're peeling carrots or chopping off onion ends or garlic ends, you can kind of keep a little um, baggie in your freezer and kind of let those collect over time. And then you can boil those with some water um, and kind of make your own veggie broth. So that's a nice way to be able to repurpose some of those scraps. Also, of course, composting. Um, But then when it comes to like extras of things, the freezer is really like my best friend. I pretty much freeze everything. I know there's some things that don't lend the best to freezing. Um, but some examples are like tomato paste. I feel like you always end up using just like a tablespoon of tomato paste and then you have half a jar left that goes bad. So putting that in little um, mason jars or cups that you can freeze and then be able to pull out is a great way to kind of reduce waste there. Um, Things with leftovers too, you know, casseroles, curries, soups, um, you can freeze those. They even have little silicone molds that are meant for like um, for soups and things like that. So if you didn't want to freeze, let's say six cups of soup at a time, you could even freeze them in like little two cup portions to be able to pull out for lunches. Um, Extra burger buns or breads you can freeze. Um, you know, whenever I'm about to go on a trip, sometimes if I can't eat all the veggies that I have on hand, I'll often blanch them, which basically just means you'll um, kind of boil them for a couple minutes just really quickly, put it in some ice water to really kind of um, lock in those nutrients and cool it down. And then you can kind of freeze those on a sheet pan before transferring them to a baggie. So that's kind of a nice way to let some of those um, veggies last a little bit longer. 
it's I'm a little bit unique too because I'm testing recipes a lot. Um, it's just me and my partner in my household. So if we have extras on hand, a lot of times I'll try to um, give those to neighbors or see if I can, you know, connect with local food pantries or things like that to kind of um, see where that might lie. So those are some quick tips uh, for food waste. I I always too would say I love having on hand um, canned foods or frozen foods because these are going to be foods that will last for months or years to come and can be really um, a great, more budget-friendly option. It was cool. I was actually in California a couple weeks ago and got to see kind of the canned um, fruit and tomato process. And it's it's so fresh. They really are picking those tomatoes and canning them within five hours or less. And so um, I know sometimes people are like weirded out by canned foods, but they really are super fresh and nutritious. Agreed. I was actually looking at some of your fun food hacks Things like wa- uh, freezing watermelon balls and then the mm-hmm. de-stemming, the strawberries. I thought those were really fun, but even a little goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think sometimes you just maybe don't think about it of like freezing, you know, just kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I have extra watermelon. I guess it's going to go bad. But it, it, even though it seems like a small, simple tip, um, it's fun to have those like watermelon balls or slices in the freezer for later on to throw in your water or to blend into a smoothie. So yeah, yeah. when in doubt, Google, can I please <laughs> blah, 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 because you probably can. <laughs> yeah. Or just refer to your blog, right? There's a lot of yeah. great tips over there as well. Um, tell me about some exciting trends that are happening right now in the culinary nutrition industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's always kind of interesting um, because I'll take a look usually like Whole Foods or different um, industries will report the food trends for the year. Um, And this year, I feel like they were pretty spot on. Um, They talked about things like um, different oils and dates. And um, I feel like dates are really having their moment right now. You see, um, you know, Snickers dates or there's like date bark where you can lay out different medjool dates and top it with peanut butter and chocolate and things like that. Um, So I feel like there's kind of some fun trends there. Um, But in general, I think some of the ones that really kind of are viral, I suppose, are those super simple and easy recipes that everyone kind of feels like they can make. Um, I'm thinking back to like when feta pasta was a big thing, that was really nice for people because you're just putting a block of feta cheese with some um, tomatoes and pasta all kind of in one dish. Um, so I, I'm kind of working through a lot of those types of recipes too. Um, those are kind of some trends I'm seeing. I also work with brands a lot though. And so I kind of am seeing a lot more brands and even smaller startups right now as um, maybe I would say like a trend or um, where I'm kind of seeing the industry go, but that are looking to um, dietitians to really point them in the right direction with some of their nutrition messaging, which is, um, which is good. I love seeing that because I was even talking with sort of a startup the other day and they were mentioning how they're working through a product name and they were thinking of using the words cheat day. Um, And I kind (laughs) of talked with them about how sometimes that can be a, not the best word to to use and 
can kind of have negative connotations. And so maybe just saying um, this product is with chocolate and kind of framing it in more of a positive, like nourishing light um, so that we aren't reiterating messaging that's um, kind of outdated. Um, so I think that's kind of nice to see that there's sort of a trend with looking to dietitians and um, being able to have that good nutrition messaging that's going to translate for consumers and be um, great for consumers, like overall mental health and these, these messages that we're trying to get across, you know? Yeah. And something that's really taken off are snacks. I mean, snacks has always been part of our culture. It's just people love to snack. We all do. And, but there's a lot of great choices out there. And I'm really happy to see that a lot of companies have taken that initiative to offer, you know, more nutritious, more satiating snacks that people can (laughs) enjoy that taste really good. Because for a while, snacks were getting such a bad rep. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I know it's kind of funny with foods. I feel like it's always going to be both where it will have this moment of stardom and then all of a sudden it's, you know, the media is making it seem fearful or bad and then it kind of comes back to life. So that's kind of part of our jobs, I feel like, as dietitians too, is to always be talking about this, this balance and where does this take place in a balanced diet? Because chances are everything can can have a part in a balanced diet. Yeah. And this is why I love to use the term balanced eating versus healthy eating because healthy, you know, that's gone in so many different directions. But when we're talking about balance, it's like, well, what does that look like? So yeah, right. I'm glad that you brought that up. What have been your own light bulb moments, aha moments, valuable lessons that you've learned that you sometimes reflect back on? Yeah. Well, I like how you mentioned um, kind of that word healthy. And I think that's something that I've sort of um, just had to learn how that looks like with my um, you know job as a recipe developer and kind of finding that mix between, you know, healthy or nourishing and actually delicious too. I I heard a fellow dietitian that really said it best, um, you know, food isn't nutritious if it's not eaten. So if we're, you know, making this quote unquote healthy meal, but it's not being eaten, then that doesn't do any good. So, you know, it's okay to add things like sugar and fat and salt and um, into a recipe to make it kind of delicious. Um, So I'm always kind of finding that balance between between the two of that kind of nourishment element, but also the sort of craveability. And I think there's a place for maybe some of these, um, let's say lighter summer meals that you might be craving. But then in the winter, something like a, you know, grilled cheese and awesome creamy tomato soup, there's place for both of them. Yeah, I think something too, that has been helpful and something that um, like my audience has really enjoyed is sort of the why behind certain ingredients. Um, you know, why are blueberries good for heart health, being able to kind of explain the research behind it, link to it. um, And so people can really be able to see that because I think it's so that's what can be confusing a lot of times too, is we're maybe Google searching a certain ingredient, and you see all of these lines of um, it's good for you for this, 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 and this, but then there's no kind of explanation of okay, why, you know, so I really like being able to explain the why behind those ingredients. I think that maybe helps to set um, my blog apart too. So people can kind of go to it for that nutrition and for the, for the recipe component. Yeah. And knowledge is always power. So 
That's a great element that you can bring. Um, What about dietitians who would love to follow in your footsteps to follow their dream of culinary nutrition? What advice would you give them? Yeah, I think kind of looking back, just reflecting on this, where when I was hoping to do something similar, I did a lot of shadowing where I tried to reach out to maybe um, local chefs or other food bloggers that were doing similar things, um, like dietitians that were also food bloggers. Um, any chance you can, I think, to get in person is super valuable. Um, I When I worked with a couple chefs, they were able to kind of like, we would recipe test together and they would, you know, give me some techniques. Or even I remember shadowing a, a food blogger dietitian in person. And it was so cool to be able to see her, you know, kind of in her element and seeing um, even the places that I was like, wow, like, you know, she's just using a white bed sheet to kind of um, make the light a little softer, or even just like a dollar store um, foam cardboard to help reflect the light. Some of those things feel like light bulb moments. And I think just like helps, you know, help me kind of um, create my own um, workflow too. So I think shadowing is a big piece of it. Um, If people are really interested um, in the culinary piece to like getting some kind of culinary cert- um, certification, I think can be helpful. The one I mentioned earlier is called the Culinary Nutrition Studio, and that's all online. So that can be really um, accessible if um, you can't really find maybe like an in-person shadowing experience near you. Yeah, that sounds like a great place to start. Um, yeah. Are you working on anything currently? I know you mentioned masterclass, so maybe something like that is in your future. Any cookbook partnerships that you can share with us? I mean, I would love that. I I kind of do some different um, local news segments and stuff right now. So if I ended up having my own show or Netflix show someday, that would be a big, big dream. Um, Right now, I feel like I'm hoping next year to potentially self-publish a cookbook really kind of focused on my niche of these customizable recipes. Um, so that's kind of to be determined, but definitely a goal of mine and something that I'm thinking towards. So, um, yeah, I guess in the meantime, you know, to get those updates, I do have my email list too. And this has like a whole free guide on how to customize recipes with those different elements like fruit, vegetables, protein, dairy. Um, so you can grab that on my website at cheerfulchoices.com that has, um, there always, there's a pop-up that comes up and I have, um, kind of a guide there and getting on my email list is always a great way to just stay in touch. If I do come out with a cookbook or a show or who knows all those fun things are, I always try to, um, keep everyone up to date. <laughs> yeah. And for sure. I will link all of those in the show notes. It'd be neat to do an Instagram live at some point with a yeah. behind the scenes, look at you just in action. Totally. Um, I know this else. Yeah, that was something I was actually um, forgot to mention too, kind of the behind the scenes um, with, you know, you're talking about aspiring culinary dietitians. I really try to, because I think it's a unique area that a lot of times we, it's hard to know, like, what does that even mean to be a culinary dietitian? So I really try to um, like give back and I'll, I give some presentations at my like university I went to and try to have some um, ongoing interns and stuff too that get to see sort of the behind the scenes of my 
food photography area and what are all the different things that go into publishing a recipe. Um, but yeah, I would love to do like Instagram live on that too. I can show you around my little um, makeshift studio and um, talk about all of the steps that go into your recipe. Let's do that. Let's set that up. That would be so exciting. And I love the fact that you're giving back too, because we know mentorship is everything. So you're paving the path, but you're also getting everyone excited and inspired and also teaching them, you know, these little life lessons you learned along the way. Right. And I wouldn't be where I was if I didn't have um, people that were willing to kind of uh, open arms arms and teach me stuff too. Of course, you know, I had to sort of teach myself a lot of things too, but it's nice to have someone that's helping guide you with most of those foundational um, aspects of culinary nutrition. Totally. It's that bridging the gap. Mackenzie, do you have words that you live by, life's philosophies, favorite quote? Oh my gosh. Um, I kind of feel like I have started living by that quote I mentioned earlier with the, you know, food isn't nutritious if it's not eaten. Um, I think that's just really important to me because it bridges all those elements of like the food waste component, um, and also kind of the budget friendly component. Cause I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, like if I can't afford the quote unquote healthy option, then you know, what's the point, but there's so many other options too that are budget friendly and can be enjoyed and be nutritious. So, um, yeah, I think it's, um, that's kind of a big quote that I've learned to live by. Awesome. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to use that over and again too. Um, Mackenzie, where can our listeners find out more about you? I know you shared briefly. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at cheerful choices. And then my website with all those recipes is at cheerfulchoices.com. And on there, I have a tab that's called um, coaching plus cooking. And that's um, my program where we kind of work through what are some of those nutrition goals. And then based on those, we get in the kitchen together and make it actionable and help kind of build up that, that kitchen confidence. So um Yeah. So if anyone's interested in that, or if there's other dietitians listening that maybe have clients struggling with that cooking piece, um, I'd love to chat and see how we can kind of work together all about supporting one another. Very cool. And hopefully when we do our Instagram live, we can open it up to questions as well and people can use the chat. And if there's anything that's pressing, if they have questions about themselves, a client, a family member, they can feel welcome to do that. Um, Mackenzie, thank you so much for taking the time to share your knowledge with our audience today. It's been so wonderful to hear your passion that I know is exuding Mm. through the microphone. (laughs) Yes, I'm smiling from afar. (laughs) Awesome. And I really look forward to seeing all the great work that you'll continue to do in the field of culinary nutrition. So from a dietitian Mm -hmm. to a dietitian, thank you for the work that you do. Yes, yes. And thank you for this podcast. I love love listening to it. It is my absolute pleasure. And to all the listeners, thank you as always for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast with your host, Argavanyu Forush. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you and your family can use to make daily life a little easier. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please leave a rating and review, share with others, and follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter 
at Baby Steps Nutrition Podcast. As always, you can head over to babystepsnutrition.com to sign up for our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. See you next time. Tune in. Feel great.